Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Thanks very much for joining us today. So glad you're with us. Uh, My next guest is Ross Givens. He's a chief market analyst for Wealth Empire, and he's an analyst and writer for Wealth Empire, and he advises subscribers on traditional and alternative wealth building strategies. And his service, the 13F Insider, tracks the trading activity of top hedge fund managers in order to find high conviction investment opportunities. He's also a former broker, advisor, and educator in the financial markets uh, for companies like J.P. Morgan Chase and Regal Securities. And Ross grew up in the Gulf Coast in Mobile, Alabama. Believe it or not, he bought his first stock at age 12, and that was Microsoft. Uh, And he really wishes he held on to that one. So let's talk to Ross and find out what else he wishes he held on to and what else he thinks uh, that we should be uh, looking at. Ross, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Bill, thanks so much for having me. I, I hate every time I'm reminded about that Microsoft <laughs> trade that I uh, let go a little prematurely. I might not be working today. Well, you know, what a shoulda, coulda, right? I mean, the, we, we all have, have had, we've all been tested in markets uh, at various times about, you know, I just don't think it's going to go, I just don't think it's going to catch on. This whole internet thing just isn't going to catch on. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It turned out it turned out a little different than we were expecting, I think. So t- tell me about um, Wealth Empire. How'd you start it? And and uh, it's interesting. It sounds like you, you track some interesting um, information. Um, so how does it work? Yeah, we do. Um, so, well, I, I've kind of been in the financial business for a while. You know, I was listening to your last presenter talk about his uh, money management firm there and kind of how they structure that. And it was, it was interesting because I've been, I was in that business for a long time and I got a lot of respect for him and his peers because it's a, it's a tough way to earn a living. Um, but no, I've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, over the years of analyzing stocks and picking investments for clients and myself, you know, we started to realize that we don't have to do all the work for our, ourselves, right? We spend so much time looking at stocks, what's in the headlines, um, you know, what's making news. When there are professional investors out there with insanely fantastic track records, you know, we're talking Warren Buffett, David Tepper, these guys that have decades of experience and, and success that have to publicly disclose their stock holdings. And so instead of starting with the 10,000 plus publicly traded companies and trying to dig through that pile, we can instead look to these experts, pick apart their top ideas, and really quickly culture a list of you know the highest conviction trade ideas from the top guys on Wall Street. And so that's really the the basis of our business. Now we go into other you know investment avenues and um, both traditional and non traditional investments. You know timberland and tax liens and that kind of thing. But when it comes to the stock market, it's been a it's been a really uh, a much easier path, so to speak, to to producing good returns. Uh, that makes nothing but sense to stand on their shoulders if their information is is available and you can uh, take a look and see what they're doing. Of course, that doesn't give you that much insight as to what they're seeing is next, does it? Or or are there? How do you figure out? Okay, uh, we see what they're doing. What which is? Are you looking at trend lines for where they're trending to? 
Well, not necessarily. And you make a good point. It's not as if, you know, they're calling me before they place the trade, right? But, you know, we have a couple of things working for us. So the way it is, it's called a 13F filing. So anyone, any money manager who manages $100 million or more and does business in the U.S. is required to once a quarter file this 13F that includes all their stock positions. So it looks pretty crude when you see the report, but if you download this one in the previous quarter, the previous quarter back 10 years, you can you can work with that data and figure, okay, they're working their way out of this position, they're building up a position in this stock, you know, they had a million shares, then they had three million, now they got five million, they're still buying. And so what I'm looking at is is stocks they've purchased recently um, that I can still get for the same uh, or near the same or even better price, right? So, you know, if you look at like if you look at Warren Buffett's portfolio, it's not really gonna help you out a lot today. But we know he owns Wells Fargo. We know he owns you know, Bank of America contracts. We know that he owns Procter and Gamble and Coke and all these big companies, but he's been buying it for 40 years, right? So, instead, when I look at to give you an example, like David Tepper is a is a, is a absolute titan on Wall Street. The guy's been producing astonishing returns for a couple of decades, and he loaded the boat pretty heavily in the previous quarter on General Motors. And then, you know, when that comes publicly information, you can kind of see, okay, he bought it somewhere in this two or three month period. The stock traded between, you know, for example, $33 to $35. So he's long from somewhere in there. And today I can get it at 31, 31 half. So that's that's still, you know, a viable option to kind of piggyback uh, his idea. Now, you know, I do a little bit of my own analysis on it as well. But again, it's like you mentioned, I mean, these guys have access to information you and I can only dream of. They've got the top analysts on the street. They've got, you know, guys from on the on the floor whispering in their ear um so it's it's just it's kind of shooting fish in a barrel so to speak versus trying to dig your way through uh you know all the stock options we have as investors that's brilliant i think i really think that that's brilliant so you're looking for positions that that have been recently purchased but because of all of their uh you know their research i mean you know imagine their research teams of some of these people that you're mentioning and, and groups that you're mentioning and you're looking for things that have been recently purchased but maybe they they haven't taken off yet but they're saying this is going to be our next buy and hold for the next period of whatever uh and you're able to take that information and and create uh, recommendations and and out of that that's fantastic i think it's great um smart use of of information that's readily available that most of us wouldn't think of yeah you know? and you know there's i mean we, and, and you're right i mean it's it's just it's it's such a simple thing some people have a problem with it they think oh i don't want to steal other people's ideas look i don't care stolen stock idea earns just the same as one you came up with yourself but you know we look at it a little bit deeper obviously i mean you know when you're talking about top hedge fund managers or money managers on wall street look some of these guys are managing a hundred billion dollars right so if they hold let's say 200 stocks in their portfolio and they just bought one that represents you know a half a percent or something that's not really a red flag to me it's not really one that's going to gain my attention but if we got a guy um you know that, that has a total stock portfolio only of eight or ten stocks and he just put 12 or 15 percent of his portfolio into a single holding you know that's a high conviction idea, and that's one I'm going to be interested in, and, and we're going to do our research and and uh, potentially piggyback that idea. Great idea. Now, um, in today's market, a lot of people, you know, this this we're trying to make this an evergreen show, right? So we don't want this to be like, oh, today the market was up, today the market was down. But <laughs> right, uh, we we are sitting in a situation right now. We're in uh, in in late August of 2015. 15, we're seeing a market that's. Uh, been up to highs and now it's starting to look a little nervous, a little bit 
confused about whether it's going to go any higher or, or what's going to happen because we don't know. But what do you see happening uh, as, um, you know, there's this the Fed's raising interest rates, raising interest rates, the China, uh, you know, the situation. Uh, are people nervous now? Is it is this like a Warren Buffett when people are nervous, uh, get greedy kind of a situation? <laughs> Well, I don't think it's quite a Warren Buffett situation. I mean, when he talks about, you know, buy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy, I mean, that generally refers to tops and bottoms. Now, people are a little bit fearful of the market today, and we're seeing that reflected in the indexes. I mean, the S&P's gone a whole lot of nowhere the first half of this year. Uh, but really, I mean, it comes down to big picture valuations, right? You mentioned interest rates. We've been hearing that threat for, for two years now, and I think the majority of the potential effects of a Fed, Fed rate hike have already been priced into the market. Everyone is fully aware this is coming. If it were an unexpected hike, you know, of a, a whole percent or something, yes, that would affect the market negatively. But all that's been priced in today. You know, with rates so low, what we're really looking at is forward earnings multiples, and that's what the market generally moves on. It's how many, what kind of a multiple of next year's forecasted earnings estimates are we dealing with? And most pundits will agree that when we get around 20 times forward earnings. That tends to be a really overinflated level for the market. It tends to be where we start to either break down or uh, you know, get, get in a real risk of doing so. We're not to that level yet. I mean, yes, the market is more expensive than it was in 2013, 2012, 2011, but it, you know, it's nowhere near a 1999-type type tech bubble level. So I'm not overly concerned. I mean, when I'm looking long-term at the market – Unless I get to a situation where I just can't make sense of many stocks out there, you know, the, I can't wrap my head around the prices, I'm still buying. And I think most investors would be wise to use these pullbacks and use the dips in the market and use the time to say, oh, no, you know, Greece is going into default. The market, you know, falls. That's when you want to buy a stock. I mean, Greece has defaulted three times since 2010. They're going to do it again. It's a terrible country loaded up with debt financially. It's going to keep happening. The, the impact that has on America's equity market is absolutely minimal. But, you know, we live in a 24-hour news cycle. You know this better than anyone. Um, and, and, and so, the, you know, the CNBC and their friends have to find something to fill, the, fill those hours with. But, uh, right. you know, unless it's something big that really affects our market and, and, and our money, uh, I, I just use it as a buying opportunity. And uh, let me ask you a question because, you know, we're, we're living in a time when there are trillions of dollars in retirement funds. And those funds used to be not that long ago, maybe maybe 15, 20 years ago, to make a change in your fund and portfolio, you had to call somebody, mail something. Uh, it was a slow process. And now so many people um, can um, uh, drive, you know, can can rock a market by having a, uh, at their fingertips the ability to transfer to money market or, or flight to safety. Do you think that that technology and, and the potential for that technology it makes the market sometimes a very volatile and dangerous place, and, and that's reflected in some of the things that we see more than uh, certainly, certainly more in the past, but is, it, is that a dangerous situation? No, you know, it's, it's actually a really good point that very few people even think of. And I, I do agree that it increases volatility. I mean, it does a, you know, when you look at market volume, the total shares we see traded today, if you look at the number today versus 15, 20, 25 years ago, it's an astronomical hike. And that's, which comes into two things. One is, like you mentioned, retail traders being able to, at the click of a mouse, you know, move money around. And the other is all these Wall Street algorithms that are scooping a quarter of a, a cent, you know, 100,000 times a day um, with their supercomputers there, you know, 
parked 100 feet from the exchange. But I, I don't think it's it's riskier in the fact that it moves the market. I mean, we, the sad thing is retail dollars, so my retirement account, yours, you know, the stuff that we manage ourselves, make up a very small percentage of the total market. I mean, less than 10%. The bulk of that money is hedge funds, university endowments, international money. You know, it's guys moving billions of dollars at a time. So if, for example, every listener uh, you know, to your radio show at the same time bought 100 shares of Apple stock, it probably wouldn't move the market much because there's so much uh, volume going in and out of that stock. So the one thing it does, I think it hurts people more than it helps them because it allows them to let their emotions dictate their money. It allowed people in 2009 to freak out and sell everything and get out the worst possible time. It allowed people – you know, in 98 and 99, we had that tech boom to open up these new E-Trade accounts and start clicking at any stock that had a pretty ticker symbol and, and you know, putting all their money at risk. And so, um, yeah, look, I think it's great for people who are educated, but but the people who really don't understand uh, investments and tend to be more prone to letting their emotions get the better of them, I think it ends up having a, you know, a negative effect on their ability to grow wealth as a long term. I mean, I'm sure you've seen that as well as anyone else. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at is, is that, yeah, if somebody were to buy 100 shares of Apple, they probably thought about it, researched it and saw it was a good deal. But for most people that have a touch a touch uh, access uh, with the touch of their mouse to their 401k portfolio, they're really not giving it much thought in the first place. They're, they're, they can be emotional. And it just, you know, it makes me think that for a lot of these, of course, most 401ks and other, a lot of IRA accounts are in things like mutual funds where the fund managers really have to think about that. It's like, you know, we're really, we're really being voted on every day by a, a large group of people that really don't know investing, you know? Yeah, uh, it's they, true. And it's been, a, it's, it's been, a, it's been a bad thing for investors too, because guys used to be judged on a, you know, three-year cycle or then judged on a year, then on a quarter, then on a month. And, you know, you can't, you can't judge anyone's portfolio based on what it does in a 30-day window. It's just, it's just insane to try to do. You know, you look at Warren Buffett, arguably the greatest investor of all time, man doesn't even have a computer on his desk. He's not watching it. Wow. He's not watching it by the tick. You know, he literally does not right. have a computer on his desk. So, you know, he said many times, he said, you know, buy something that, that buy something that you'd be willing to hold if you knew the market were going to shut down for the next 10 years. And that's a better way to look at investing. You know, if you're, you're not, then you're not looking at, oh, is the stock up a quarter or down a quarter? You're looking, okay, is this a business trading at a decent price that I think will grow over the next decade? You know, or five years or three years or whatever. But you know, trying to predict what it's going to do in the next two weeks or two months is 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 just a fool's game. And more people lose money than make it uh, that try to do it. Now, how often does the Wealth Empire get published? How often is it available? Our newsletter we put out once a month. So what I do, um, you know, once a quarter when the new reports come out, the new 13F filings, put together a really big edition where we there's about 55, uh, you know, hedge and, and mutual fund managers that, that we've identified as kind of the best of the best. These are guys who've been doing this for 10, 20 years, have amazing track records, low turnover ratios, holding concentrated portfolios, and so we kind of aggregate all that data and it, it really opens your eyes. Okay, well here's the you know, here's the top three or four stocks that are getting purchased right now. Here's the top few stocks that are getting sold. Here's the sectors that movie, money's moving into. Here's the sectors money's moving out of. Um, and then we'll kind of identify some of these top guys, their big ideas. You know, I mentioned the David Tepper with, with GM's kind of one of his big positions for 2015. And you know, a lot of these other other managers will look, you know, where if, if they're putting, you know, 20, 15, 20, 25% of a multi-billion dollar portfolio into one stock or a couple of stocks, 
you know, it's a high conviction idea. So we like to kind of highlight those trades, give readers a little bit of analysis on the stock, why we think they're buying it, um, and, and you know, what we're expecting going forward, and, and then just really banking on that these guys, you know, that, that the best Wall Street has to offer are, are going to be fairly intelligent people and, and pick stocks right. that beat the market. Right. You know? it's, a fascinating, it's a fascinating idea, Russ. And how do our listeners find out more and, uh, and subscribe and, and find out more about Wealth Empire? Yeah, well, they can go to the site. It's wealthempire.com. Um, I'd encourage them to just put their email address in. I send it, we send out a free – every week we do, I do a free video and a free kind of newsletter. We focus on a stock or something going on in the market. So it's a good way to kind of get familiar with you know, what we're doing, how we're looking at the market. And then um, they can read more about the, the newsletter. It's only like $99 for an entire year uh, to do that newsletter if they want to try it out. It's risk-free. They can get their pro-rated refund anytime. So you know, we're, not, we're not out there trying to steal people's money. We, we producing a good product. We want them to get some real value out of it. Uh, if they don't, we're happy to give them a refund if they don't see the value that we do in it. It's so reasonable. And, and there's the, the idea that you've given us of how you went about thinking, how do we stand on the shoulders of some of these giants that are, that are investing millions of dollars into research to figure out what they put in their portfolios? How do we get on their shoulders and kind of look over that and then communicate that information. It's it's a bargain. That's a fantastic um, service that you're providing, Ross. Again, it's Ross Givens, Chief Market Analyst for Wealth Empire. Go to wealthempire.com and take a look and decide for yourself, but look at the information. Uh, it sounds fantastic, and I really appreciate you coming on. It's been very, very interesting. Hey, my pleasure. I sure appreciate you having me on. I love your show, Bill. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Hey, Russ, come, come on anytime, really, and, and keep us up to date what's going on. I really appreciate it. I, I love the uh, – maybe we should get together uh, uh, and you can you can give us a little teaser about what's happening in uh, in some of these uh, 13F reports and stuff. That would be great. Absolutely. You just let me know, Bill. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care, um, and we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this. Please stay with us. Hi, everybody. This is Spike Reel for The Exit Coach. Business owners, can you name the eight key value drivers that you and your managers should be focusing on to increase the value of your business? Introducing the Sellability Score Index. Visit our website and answer 25 questions about your business, and you will instantly receive your Sellability Score, showing you how well you stack up in the eight value driver areas. It's a great management tool. It's absolutely free for our listeners. Just visit ExitCoachRadio.com and click Get My Sellability Score. Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 